This podcast contains our own personal views not associated with any organisation. Coronial contains descriptions of death inquests that may be graphic and disturbing to some listeners. Discretion is advised. You gave me the pedestal fan. No. I raise you. I feel like someone, a chest of drawers. someone slammed their heads yes. into a ch- bedside table, didn't they? No. The corner of it? Mm. No. Oh, did it fall on them? No. Were they picking it up? No. You so know, no was it levitating? I genuinely don't think you could ever guess this. Like, they it is shut just. their hand in a drawer. Yeah, and that one killed kill them? you. Well, shut it really hard. The bled out. I don't know. <laughs> they were crushed by it. No. Um, they were painting it and they died from paint fumes. A splinter. <laughs> I, I couldn't really blame the drawer. The splinter got infected and they died. No, the splinter oh, yeah. went into its jugular vein <laughs> and ripped it open. <laughs> from the chest of drawers. Yeah. Again, with the like, how do you blame the chest of drawers? <laughs> anyway. A chest of drawers fell off the back of a ute as it was being driven somewhere. And it hit someone's car and they died. <laughs> And it hit the car and that's what caused the death. Again, is that was not a car Was the bedside crash? table in the bedroom? Yes. Okay. Um, was there an earthquake? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just need you to tell us. No, no, I like this game. <laughs> um, was there choking involved? Yes. Yes. Okay. How do you choke on a chest of drawers? <laughs> that is a good question. Was it something to do with the knob? Was it something to do with the knob? No. Oh. No knobs? A foot? <laughs> there were no knobs involved or mentioned. Was there a foot on no. the chest of drawers? No. I mean, there might have been a foot on it the chest of drawers. But, feet, um, but did, yeah. did they choke on something from the chest of drawers? No. They choked on something in the chest of drawers? No. They choked on an entire chest of drawers. <laughs> did they, they, were they sleeping and they leaned against the chest of drawers? And the chest of drawers pressed on there. Getting closer. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's crazy. Anyway, welcome back, everyone, uh, to Coronial. And uh, today I'm going to be telling you about the death of John Frederick Remus. Uh, and he went by the name of Fred. So he's going to be referred to as Fred from here on out, just so we're all aware. Mm-hmm. This coronial inquest occurred as the death was unexpected and the inquest was held as the coroner felt that there were matters of public health and safety that warranted further exploration through a public hearing. So Fred was a 63-year-old gentleman at the time of his death and he resided in the Mayflower Residential Aged Care Facility that's north of Melbourne. He was declared deceased at the facility in the early hours of the 17th of December 2016 and he'd resided in that facility for 18 months at the time of his death. He had a wife and two children who lived nearby, but Fred had previously suffered from a stroke, which left him with left-sided paralysis. He required a walking stick or wheelchair for mobility. Along with those physical side effects, he'd also suffered a change to his personality, including frustration at his loss of independence, impatience, agitation, and sometimes violence. And this is ultimately what had led to him moving into the aged care facility as his wife was no longer able to care for him safely at home because of the risk to herself from mm-hmm. his violence. And it is of note that during his time at the aged care facility, Fred had suffered a number of falls right. from his weakness mm-hmm. so that, you know, potentially he was still trying to be independent but mm. not quite willing to accept his limitations. Yep. Well, he was quite young. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. And 
again, because he'd suffered that stroke. He otherwise wouldn't have needed to be in an aged care mm. facility. He still had that really great family support. It was just that because of his personality changes in association with his need for care was the reason why he ended up in that in that home. And I imagine surrounded by much older, maybe not much older, but surrounded by older people. Potentially. So it didn't actually. might have been viewing that as I don't, I shouldn't be here. Potentially. You know, everyone else's. Yeah. Yeah. 20, 30 years older than me. Yeah. I think that, that independence at the age of 60 would have been really mm-hmm. hard to mm-hmm. accept yeah. that he, he didn't have as much as he wanted anymore. Yeah. So on the 17th of December in 2016 at 5 a.m., Fred attempted to get out of bed without nursing staff assistance. He transitioned from his bed to his wheelchair and then attempted to retrieve an item out of the bottom drawer of his bedside drawers. As he leaned forward, he toppled headfirst into the drawer and his head became lodged within the bottom drawer. Oh, my God. What was he trying to get out of the bottom drawer? That is not documented in the coronial inquest, so I cannot give you that information. Maybe he was cold in bed, so he wanted a pair of socks or a just five a.m. in the morning. He might have just been. Yeah, he might have been up getting up. That's just. I'm just picturing that happening. I know. Absolutely. Wow. That would have been terrifying. If he potentially went on that left hand side, he then couldn't use anything yeah. to brace himself yeah. because he didn't he have that strength of mobility. To... Yeah, mm-hmm. and so he's just toppled head first. Into the drawer. And is unable Whoa. to get up. Uh, yeah. And getting your head lodged in there, that would be painful. Yes. I'm trying to think of the physics. Yeah. It's it just. So, what essentially is described is that his head has gone in the drawer and so his full face is in the drawer. Mm. And so, like, the top of his head is lodged underneath the next drawer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, and his so he chin can't... is against the edge of the drawer. Yeah, where you'd like pull the handle, yeah. and he himself Can't. cannot him yeah. remove himself sort of from like that situation. Down, yes. Yeah. In the- and someone who had full mobility would have probably been able to get themselves out of that. Yeah, but I he think couldn't. he was kind of primarily on that left hand side, so couldn't use that to brace to get himself mm. out, but couldn't get his right under to you know to push himself out either. Holy oh. moly! Yeah, I'm guessing he wasn't supposed to be getting out of bed without assistance. It actually doesn't really go into that, but okay. I would have. I mean, he could transition to into his wheelchair. Mm. He he did that on his own, but absolutely, no there problems. is known yeah. issues with his mobility, and he suffered multiple falls in the in the home. Mm. So I, it doesn't actually go into what his care requirements were meant to be. be. Yeah. So he's stuck in the drawer, and he then called out for assistance mm. from the nursing staff that were available. He was attended by an enrolled nurse and a personal care assistant who were staffing the aged care facility for the overnight shift because, remember, this happened at 5 a.m. Mm. So there were only two of them on shift at that point. Yes. How, uh, do we know how big this nursing home is? Uh, it was a 34-bed or 34-resident okay. facility. So it wasn't huge? No. I'm just no. thinking a 200-resident facility with two people, <laughs> yeah. two staff. No, Not yeah, good. it was um, 34 residents, so two staff was the standard for, yeah. for an evening shift. But it's worth mentioning, yeah, an enrolled nurse. So uh, I don't know if you guys know much about nursing structure, but enrolled mm. nurse is your... It's different than a registered nurse. nurse. Yeah, they've, they've yeah. got a bit more experience. Yes. This enrolled nurse had her medication endorsement because okay. they wouldn't have been necessarily able to have an enrolled nurse alone unless they had a medication endorsement to work overnight. Yeah, it makes sense because residents might need medication overnight. Potentially, yep. yeah. Uh, and a personal care assistant is... 
someone who in this inquest it kind of describes similar to just someone to help the residents around and when they sort of had information coming from the aged care facility kind of that encouragement of someone to help them out like it is their home and to make Mm -hmm. it more an assistance versus a health care kind of individual. So would they be helping them with like showering and toileting? Potentially, and like getting yeah. around, getting to the dining Plate. room. Yeah, um, I need a blah 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 from this room. Can you get it for me? Exactly. And for the rest of the podcast, I'm going to refer to the nurse and the assistant. I'm not going to continue to say enrolled yeah. nurse or personal <laughs> care assistant because yeah. that will get tedious. So they attended and found Fred with his head lodged in the bottom drawer, and at this time he was yelling for them to assist him to to get him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to he help would have him. been stressed. Is yes. probably an understatement in that yes. situation. Moderately distressed. So they attempted to assist him, but he was flailing and thrashing and making it unsafe for them to help. Right. He wasn't staying still to let them pull him out. He was trying to get himself out, which he couldn't. Yes. Yeah. So because of that, the nurse asked the assistant to retrieve the facility's lifting machine mm-hmm. in a hopes that they could use a person lifter to try and get him out, mm-hmm. while she then phoned the emergency services for ambulance officers to attend to help them as well. Yeah. And ultimately the assistant bought the lifting machine, but by then they'd kind of decided that that actually wasn't going to be of help, so abandoned that. But the nurse made the phone call to the emergency services at 5.10, and at this point the nurse had assessed Fred as being stable but at risk of further injury due to the position he was in. Mm -hmm. But the nurse didn't take any vital signs or baseline clinical kind of observation of him, just said he's alert and talking, I just can't get him out. Yeah, which you can like, you can do that without having access to someone's head. You know, you could assess his heart rate and his respiration rate. Yeah, but it was also but mentioned also, if that he's still flailing around, that's going to be hard. Mm. Exactly. So I find that a little bit sort of it would have been hard to establish. I absolutely yeah. understand that that potentially was hard in that exact moment. The call resulted in the nurse being instructed for Fred's safety not to move him unless he were to deteriorate and that someone should remain with him while someone should also go to the entry of the facility mm-hmm. so that the ambulance officers can be directed to his room once they do arrive. And are we thinking that the thought they were saying don't move him is that, the, that he might have had a neck injury of some kind? Yes. Um, they were worried that he was injured and they were the emergency call taker was of the understanding that this was a fall and so if it was someone yeah. was full that they can't get up, they're mm. like, just just, just keep him there. Them. We'll come help and assist, assess the situation when we get there. Yep. Unless things change, at which point call us back to say there's deterioration or there's a change yep. and we can instruct you further as to whether, okay, that's the point where, sure, he does need to, in fact, be moved for mm. his safety. The nurse elected to proceed to the front of the building, leaving the assistant with Fred. I probably would have done it the other way myself. We'll come to that. Mm. We will come to that. At 5.19, the nurse received a phone call back from the emergency services asking for more details about Fred's position. This was made by a – so initially it was an emergency call taker and this mm. was actually a call back from a paramedic services individual. Okay. So someone with a bit more – Medical understanding, yeah. yeah. The nurse stated that she was not with Fred as she was waiting for the ambulance out the front of the facility – But she didn't know what was stopping him or preventing him from being moved. Yeah. Right. She hadn't established whether he was lodged or whether it's just that he couldn't get up himself. Yeah. 
The nurse reported at the inquest that she'd attended to other residents and frequently returned to Fred's room for verbal confirmation from the assistant that he remained stable and then that she was returning back to the front of the facility looking out mm. for the ambulance. Mm-hmm. The assistant provided in her statement that at one point she reported to the nurse that Fred had gone quiet and the nurse had assessed Fred at that point and stated that his pulse was weak before then leaving the room. No, at that point when he's quiet and not flailing, you get him out of there. Yeah. This was disputed by the nurse. Okay. But we'll return to discussing more around that mm. later because that comes up in the coroner's recommendations. Because I'm guessing they're not taking notes while this is all happening. No. This no. is based on their recollection mm-hmm. after the fact. And the inquest was two years after his death. Yeah. So, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So the ambulance arrived at 5.40, remembering that first phone call was made at 5.10. So okay. it took an ambulance right. half an hour to get there. Mm-hmm. The paramedics located Fred lying on his left side with his head in the drawer and his neck bent over the edge of the drawer. His airway was fully occluded and he was not responsive. That's amazing that he remained responsive for that long I well, suspect I guess something he might have, have changed that yeah, ultimately then completely inclu- occluded yeah. his airway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was about to say, and also like he's flailing about. He's yeah, moving. He been whereas, moving like himself. once he starts losing consciousness, you'd assume yeah. like the body weight slumps would press down. Yeah, and start. Yeah, it's or might relax. Be partially yeah. occluded, so it took that time, etc. Mm. Yeah. Wow. The care assistant stated to the paramedic something to the effect of, "I think he fell asleep." The paramedics were able to remove Fred's head from the drawer. He was placed on the floor before CPR was commenced as he was no longer breathing and no longer had a pulse. I think he fell asleep. I don't think anyone could fall asleep when they're under that kind of – he's got that much adrenaline coursing through his veins. there's no way he's just fallen asleep. That's what the paramedic recalled was stated by the assistant. After CPR had been commenced, the paramedics requested further paramedic attendance. However, CPR was – ceased shortly after as the nurse was able to obtain Fred's advanced care directive, which stated he did not wish for CPR in the event that he was found pulseless and not breathing. Okay. And so hence he was ultimately pronounced deceased at this point. So the coroner remarked on four main points when addressing that she had identified that Fred's death was in fact preventable. Mm -hmm. She addressed the false prevention mechanisms in place within the aged care facility, the staffing shortcomings, which Mm. we've kind (laughs) of talked about, Mm. The emergency services advice of not moving him Mm. and then the CPR cessation. As we know, Fred was at risk of falls due to his medical history. He'd had previous falls. He Mm. was known to fall. Ultimately, Fred's wife did speak pretty highly of the facility and the care that they'd provided for him. So it doesn't appear like there were significant concerns around his falls and the care that was provided to him. This ultimately just ended up being a freak accident that happened that no one would have expected. But that being said, the facility assessed this event mm. and it had implemented measures to try to prevent injuries with the drawers in the residence rooms in the future with mm. regards to rearranging the furniture to make it less likely that someone would fall headfirst in, which well, I have to say is one of the most interesting things that I think anyone could ever do in their job being like, today I am going to double check that no one can fall headfirst mm. into this drawer. Or a new staff member coming in there and be like, why do you have the chest of drawers positioned there? And they're like, to make sure no one falls headfirst into them. Yes. New staff member says, huh? Yeah. But I imagine they also looked at other safety aspects of the furniture in the patient's room, which is absolutely necessary. Just think that that one particular scenario Mm. of what in fact happened to Fred is just so outrageously unlikely to happen. Yeah. 
much like the pedestal fan situation. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly we right. We have to be exactly the right distance away from it, the right fall, the right. The drawer had to be open a certain amount because otherwise he would have just hit his head on it. Yeah, exactly. So And not got lodged. If it was well, out further, then he wouldn't have maybe gotten stuck. Exactly. If he'd yeah. fallen on his right side, maybe he would have been able to get it out. Get himself out. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Was there any discussion around any sort of falls mitigation strategies? So I think so, it's pretty standard for aged care facilities to have that in place, but they didn't go into much more detail around Fred's fall mitigation perspectives mm. or anything like that. Because whether he had one of those sort of fall buttons, you know, that they that yeah. he was able to people's neck. He was able to call out though. So yeah, true. Like, like, they were they, able to attend did, to him pretty quickly. Yeah, I was thinking that he had fallen and they'd and not been known like, that he was there. Yeah. Yeah. But no, they did actually hear him. Yeah. They were able to get to him. They just didn't they were unable to do anything. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to the staffing and their training and the shortcomings there. So the enrolled nurse and the personal care assistant were the only two staff rostered for that overnight shift. And as we mentioned, there were 34 residents in the facility, which was thought to be an appropriate number of staff overnight Mm. for when presumably most people are sleeping. But we've also got to recognise that residents in an aged care facility also may have an element of dementia. Mm. um, And so that can mean that those overnight shifts can be a bit more hands-on than potentially other care facilities. What's yeah, that a ratio of one staff per 16? Yeah. 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 Thank you for mathing because that's 17? 17. 17. 17, yeah. So yeah. not great mathing there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. Because, um, yeah, if someone, say, had just fallen normally yeah. and needed help up, they probably would have used two of them to get them up. And mm, if someone exactly. else that's right. at and the then same you're leaving, time. Yeah. 33 yeah. patients unattended. Yeah. And I want to highlight that. One of them was a nurse and one of them was an enrolled, uh, sorry, a personal care assistant. Yeah. So, so yeah, one she had was medical there training to, and one did not. She was there to help people around the facility, you know. She yeah. wasn't medically yep. trained. Mm-hmm. And should not have been expected to be medically trained. Yeah. No. So the enrolled nurse had been working in the profession for 30 years, the last six in aged care. She obtained a medication endorsement, as I mentioned, across that time. And so... She'd been a nurse for a while. Mm. She had the skills and the knowledge and the background Mm -hmm. to do that job appropriately. She obtained her employment with the aged care facility through a recruitment agency agreement. And she'd been working essentially only night shifts for the previous month at the aged care facility. At the time of the inquest, she was unable to state if she received an induction when she began at the aged care facility. But let's remember it's two years after the event. And she'd been working there for And she only worked there for a month and it was through an agency that she ended Mm. up working in that facility. So if she'd been working at multiple facilities, um, you know, it's been a long period of time since she worked there, don't know how much work she did there after this event, all that kind of thing, I can understand how she could not remember. Mm. But hopefully they had given her an induction into the facility. But it's really hard if you only work night shift. Did they not have any records of whether they'd given her an induction? Unclear. Nothing was mentioned okay. about there being obvious documentation that she had or anything like that. Yep. But, you know, if you start on a night shift and there's no one else around mm. and then you continue to work night shift and never actually work during the day, I can see how that would be difficult. Mm. Yeah, you'd hope there'd be some, when you start, some level of you're not alone on your first shift or, you know what I mean? Like you'd But hope potentially some... she was because if there was no one else to 
to staff yeah. or be there with her. Yeah. And she's an experienced nurse. So in theory, yeah. she doesn't need someone to it's supervise her. just pointing her. out, here's the bathroom, here's the kitchen, here's yeah. where the drugs are kept. Here's where, when shit goes wrong, the folder that tells you who yeah. needs to be contacted mm-hmm. and yep. what potential things you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. The personal care assistant had obtained her Certificate 3 in Community Services Aged Care through TAFE Queensland six years prior to Fred's death. The assistant did not attend the inquest, but rather provided a statement to the court. Hence, details about her involvement were only able to be taken from the statement and further questions were not able to be answered, leaving facts unknown, such as whether she herself had a first aid certificate or not. One, I'd hope she had a first aid certificate working in that environment. Also, I thought if you were involved in an inquest, you had to turn up to answer questions. Yeah, so this is a bit that it didn't go into and it didn't tell me why she Mm. wasn't available but i can understand maybe like if there's a health sta- reason yeah, or if she's moved moved states. state that kind of stuff yeah. she's provided a written statement of her account of the event but surely yeah. you'd still be able to provide oral evidence by virtual link or something yeah you, you would think so when did this inquest actually happen 2018 yeah that definitely would have been the facilities yeah. but yeah we, we, i don't know why uh you were saying you would hope that that was a requirement yes a first aid certificate was not a requirement for employment at some aged care facilities but was rather a suggestion generally as a requirement. Yeah, look, I suppose that's fair. When I worked in aged care in the kitchen, I didn't need a first aid certificate but I was also not allowed to help or interact with the residents. Yeah, like you could talk to them but you weren't allowed to move them. Mm. Like if they were in a wheelchair, you weren't allowed to wheel them back to their room or anything because that was not your job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was in a care position. Yes. Yeah. But again, it wasn't a requirement of mm. her employment, and we'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> so overnight, along with the nurse and the assistant, a registered nurse, so more senior and more experienced, was on call and available by phone, and the one that was on call of that evening was actually 10 minutes away from the facility. But this individual was not contacted at all during Fred's incident, and he stated that, Should he have been contacted, he would have provided advice around Fred's care, including completing a clinical assessment of Fred, Mm. and that he would have absolutely attended the the residence and possibly could have arrived prior to the ambulance, given he lived close by. I always have issues with that kind of thing mm, where they're like, this is what I would have done. It's like you've had time to consider your actions. Where And I'm not saying what they did and how they responded was correct. We're just saying hindsight's always 2020, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely had time to think about what he should have done had he have been called. Exactly right. But whether he would would have done that in that situation. But this is saying, yes, I definitely would have done everything by the book. Exactly. And it's so hard to, you know, say that that definitely would have happened. Yeah. And all of these inquests are all with hindsight. And so you make Mm. these recommendations, be like, Mm -hmm. cool, but at that particular point in time, just it didn't work out that way. Mm. And and so, sure, in a perfect world, Mm. I would have, I could have, I should have. And so it's really hard. Talking about you guys being like with with the benefit of hindsight, uh, he did ultimately conclude that he would have recommended emergency services be contacted as the priority. So yeah, which is what they did. Which yeah, exactly, which is what the nurse did. So you know, if she'd been on the phone to the emergency services the whole time, she wasn't going to be able to contact him anyway. Yeah. So, but he was just saying, I could have been there. I could have been an extra set of hands. Mm. Our protocol is that I probably should have been contacted, and that we yeah. will try to make sure that that occurs in the future. Mm. Should future events happen overnight? Mm-hmm. 
So the major contentious issue that was examined by the coroner was the nurse's decision to leave the assistant with Fred rather than Mm. remain there herself. And ultimately the coroner said that she was of the highest skill level and the assistant's possible lack of being able to assess a deteriorating patient, given she likely did not hold a first aid certificate, was a poor choice Mm. for the nurse to have made. In the nurse's defence, she stated that she left the assistant as Fred was more familiar with the assistant and therefore felt that that would be better for Fred mm-hmm. and also that she had the skills and was better equipped to manage others in the facility as the event was occurring so that she could take care of the others around yeah, while the okay. personal assistant stayed with Fred. Because mm-hmm. I'm guessing she wasn't thinking at that point that it was life-threatening, just that they needed help getting him up. It appears that way, yeah. which I think, again, is another sort of point that the coroner made that she maybe had had misjudged mm. how much of a risk Fred was in. Yeah. So the fact that the nurse felt that she would be better equipped to manage the others in the facility was disputed by the registered nurse who knew the assistant, saying that she was in fact capable of managing other residents and could have mm. been left in charge of doing that. And an expert witness also commented saying that the more senior staff member should have been the one to remain mm. with Fred so sure. that they could assess his clinical situation. The coroner also felt that this event put the nurse in a situation beyond her decision-making capabilities as evidenced by the decision she made Mm. on that night and that she should not have delegated the monitoring of Fred to the individual who did not have basic first aid principles. Mm. The coroner felt that the aged care facility's adherence to minimum staffing requirements was a large contributor and recommended a registered nurse be located on site at the facility Mm. 24 hours of a day. And then also made the recommendation that government departments legislate minimum nursing staff to patient ratios and develop national standards describing the skill mix and staffing levels required to manage an aged care facility and that personal care assistants should hold a first aid certificate prior to being employed in the aged care sector. That's so interesting that they mentioned the recommendation being in relation to a national program. I'm just thinking yeah, again that, that state level. Yeah, it's, it's not national. just state level, it's national. When I go on and say, consequently, the coroner made a number of recommendations about staffing and skill levels in the aged care sector and ultimately referred her findings to the Royal Commission into Aged Care Quality and Safety, which occurred in 2018, Mm -hmm. which was the same time that this inquest was released. Mm -hmm. I think that's why it became a a national recommendation because she was saying we are currently conducting a Royal Commission into this. We are aware that there are a number of issues with regards to staffing and safety in aged care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go big on these recommendations. Yeah, why not? Because it would it be needs, an issue everywhere. It needs to be fixed. That aged care Royal Commission ultimately was released um, and I'm going to link it in the podcast description. Should anyone want to read it, you're more than welcome to. The summary document was 115 pages, so I did not get around to reading it prior to this. So feel free to educate yourselves. I don't have any further to add to how many of those recommendations were actually taken up by that commission and and that kind of thing. Mm. Apologies. (laughs) I was like, yeah, 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 I'll totally read this. And then I opened up, sorry, it was 115 pages and was like, And that's the summary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even open the full commission to see how many pages that was because yep. I was just like, nah, this is hundreds, if not thousands. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I balked at the fact that this inquest was 43 pages long. So, you know. Oh, really? <laughs> That's a, I was about to say, all of mine are like almost 100 pages. I know. So getting back, along with the staffing and the nurse's decision making, the last thing that the coroner sort of highlighted as a concern and 
if done better, potentially would have prevented his death, was the nurse's call to the emergency services. Uh, The coroner felt that her call did not adequately convey Fred's condition and that she did not make it clear that she was a nurse, nor did she provide any reference to the risk of Fred's airway or potential risk for respiratory compromise in her phone call. Yeah, because it sounds like when she called them, she said, okay, yep, I've got an elderly person who's fallen over. And he's stuck in a drawer. As the call taker, you'd just be like, what do you mean? Okay, he's stuck somewhere, but he's fallen over and can't get up. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Yeah, clearly didn't specify. He's stuck head first in a drawer. Might be impacting his airway. Yeah. I think she yeah. did say like head first in a drawer, but again, the the consequence of his airway. Mm-hmm. And so this did make it difficult for the call taker, who's non-medical, who's not mm. medically trained, yeah. to understand the risks posed by this event to Fred. So the phone call was received and understandably that individual had difficulty ascertaining what the situation was described by the nurse and ultimately, as I mentioned, categorised it as a fall. Now, when these call takers take their phone calls, there's a number of protocols that they can categorise each Mm. call under. They have a very strict script to follow based on which protocol they use because they're non-medical to get it through to the level of what kind of ambulance am I sending out, what Mm -hmm. level, what category. And so a fall is protocol 17 but wasn't entirely following the script, which was a bit of a debate around they went slightly outside of the script and whether that was permissible. And the main bits there being that the nurse went on to then reassure Fred that an ambulance was on the way and the call taker didn't, because it wasn't in the script, notify her that wasn't in fact the case, that they had referred the phone call on to the second paramedic that called for that to then establish the priority of the ambulance. So when they called initially, the ambulance hadn't been sent. It was only when the second paramedic called that? It was categorised as a priority three, which doesn't necessarily initiate the leaving of the ambulance. Mm. It's the when there's an appropriate ambulance available, they they will go. They will go. Mm -hmm. When the second paramedic called, they ultimately upgraded based on the information that the paramedic got from the nurse. But again, the nurse was still not clear about the dangers that Fred was in. And so again, it only got categorized as a priority two, which meant it took half an hour for the ambulance to get there. And so ultimately they found that the initial call taker probably should have categorized it as a protocol 22 which is an entrapment, mm. and that that would have led to a priority one ambulance being dispatched, yep. right. which would have led to a much faster response from mm. paramedics. And so at any point had the nurse mentioned that there was a risk of airway obstruction, this probably would have let it down that category mm-hmm. and would have potentially changed that outcome as well. Right. And then also the other thing is the call taker mentioned to call back if there was any change in his condition, mm. which did not happen yep. despite the fact that Clearly his condition changed at some point before the paramedics arrived. And again, with that, maybe something would have actioned quicker. Mm. But with the benefit of hindsight, that's easy to say. Yeah. You know? And obviously the coroner had gone through all of the recorded audio for this. And, Mm. you know, in the first phone call, the coroner could hear Fred calling out. They were aware that Fred was stable at that first phone call. Mm -hmm. And so, again, that's what sort of deprioritized it being an urgent event because Mm. he was clearly stable but at risk at that point in time. Oh, yeah, finally. There was also just a quick chat around the cessation of CPR. So the coroner kind of just mentioned, well, 
he'd said when he came into the nursing home, he signed his advanced care directive saying, yes, I do not wish for any attempts at resuscitation should I be found pulseless and not breathing. But his wife sort of mentioned, well, when we had that conversation, it seemed in the context of he's had a previous stroke that if that were to happen again, he would not want to continue living with the deficits much like what he currently Mm. has. Or if they came across him, he didn't get out of bed in the morning and he yes. died in his sleep. Yes. He didn't want CPR then. Absolutely. It wasn't he's yeah, fallen over. He's fallen headfirst into a drawer. Yeah. And this and is been alive, like yeah. stayed alive for a period of time and then yes. died. And so the coroner sort of separated that into a natural versus unnatural yeah. event yep. that would have led to his passing. And ultimately the expert witnesses that were involved in this inquest said well, no, they still did the appropriate thing. That's it was exactly fairly right. it was very clearly documented if mm. he was found pulseless and not breathing that he did not want CPR and so that it was well within their right and appropriate for them to have stopped and not continued with CPR. Yeah. But that advanced care directives should have some documentation or some distinction around events that this should be used for. Mm. And that if it were to occur in a state that was different to that, that was not expected, such as an accident or injury, Mm. then there should be some more detailing around that so that families and the individual signing these documents are aware Mm. and that that decision-making is assisted at the time when those events do occur so that they can feel more confident about making the right decision Mm. when that did happen. But there's also a balance about making it not too complex because you think about if you're in this situation and you're trying to get the paperwork out and you're reading through it and it's like with item 62B, you know, I do not wish to. Yeah, so yes, still having to be broad but saying if this is a natural. But then what's categorised as natural and unnatural? Like it does get like I completely understand like blanket advanced care directives how they were definitely well within their rights to to stop um and it was a directive that you know he'd been given on his on his entry mm-hmm. to the aged care facility where they went we've got to fill this document out it's got what do you want in end of life care it's got mm-hmm. what do you want if you're found deceased and it's got some other general sort of information and so the coroner was also like i'm sorry and they get this on entry uh but the aged care facility rightly so were like well we'd rather make sure it's taken care of, then let it linger or bring it up at another point that makes it more insensitive rather than this is just, you know, you're now ill, like very ill, you've got pneumonia or something. Here, fill in this paperwork. It was like a, you're coming here. We just have to know your wishes Mm. in case anything happens. And who has to follow an advanced care directive? Is it any medical personnel or any people whatsoever? Because like you could have an advanced care directive and go out onto the street and fall over and a member of the public comes to help you. I guess it would be any individual that knows that answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't reasonably expect a person out on the street to know that you've got an advanced care directive. And so in this case, the paramedic started CPR because they didn't mm. know the answer and yep. then said, can someone find this answer? Because we're in an aged care facility where it'll be yeah, likely yeah, that that information exactly. has been documented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's how that came about in this mm. case. But yeah. So um, that is Fred's case of an unbelievable, bizarre accident. Yeah. That, that had, really, had it have happened to anyone else may not have been fatal. Absolutely. And really there were some key steps there mm. that did really mean that this didn't need to have ended this way. Yeah, I and definitely thought it was going to be that 
he fell, got lodged, and then he either he was at home by himself and no one found him, yeah. or he, in the aged care facility he couldn't call out and yeah. no one found him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not think that someone was going to be there. And how heart-wrenching that is that someone had to go through that if she didn't feel she could help because mm. she didn't have the requisite skills. Yep. And same with the nurse then working as well, not feeling confident, comfortable, able to manage that situation either, which mm. is really, really sad because yeah. the potentially the staffing was not adequate. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that's really devastating. Because you would assume a personal care assistant would be cheaper. Absolutely. Than an enrolled nurse and definitely cheaper than a registered nurse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The inquest was talking about the ways that a personal care assistant is trained and becomes employed in an aged care facility. And part of the recommendations that the coroner made was around their training needs because it was mm-hmm. very ad hoc mm-hmm. that some facilities would say, we'll hire you and we'll train you somewhere. You need to have this certificate three in community services, aged care. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere you definitely have to have a first aid certificate. Others, it wasn't like an absolute requirement. So the coroner was absolutely like, we need to define entirely what this role is and what it is there for. Mm-hmm. And it's not there for health services for these members of the aged care facility. They're mm-hmm. there as assistance for people who are living in what is technically a medical service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was also around the aged care facility suggesting that no, we're trying to be like a home environment. We want to remove the medicalization of it. Mm. But the coroner rightly stated Fred was only there because he could no longer be cared That's for exactly in his right. own home. Yep. So he needed more than his own home. Yeah, he, he needed, needed the medical care. Mm. Medical services. And so you've got to weigh those risks and benefits of, yes, staffing. So there is someone who can, hey, can you grab me that cup of tea because it's mm. over there and I've got mobility issues versus I still need someone to take care of my medical care for me. Yeah, It's a really interesting case. I think everyone's heard a story of an aged care facility yes. that they felt quite nervous and understandably why lots of elderly individuals might feel nervous about mm. going yeah. and, mm-hmm. and residing in one. And so it's really nice to see that there appears to be changes trying to be made, yeah. trying mm. to And I mean the, effect, benefit. The, the fact that there was a Royal Commission yes. yeah, into aged care facilities shows that it's definitely a systemic widespread problem. Yes. And, yeah, it would be interesting to know what came out of that Royal Commission as well. And I'll let you sit down and read that document. <laughs> <laughs> and if any actions, I'm sure it has been implemented yeah. since then. Yeah. And so, yeah, I really liked the, the coroner really – hitting hard on those recommendations for this one saying mm. it's got to change. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Thanks for telling us about it. And um, just bizarre. Very. Yes. So bizarre. Add bedside tables to the list. Of the things. Very long things. list. Yeah, that you've got to be careful of from now on. Uh, basically everything in my house, yeah. 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 I mean, there's lots of things with drawers. But shout out to a good friend of ours who has recently removed his pedestal fan uh, yes. from his house because of the missing caps. So that does yes. make me very happy. We've saved a life already. We are affecting change. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, uh, we'll catch you guys again next time. <laughs> <laughs>